Hello. Today we're going to be discussing when we're starting a training program, um, recently something that's come up particularly with some of my clients, is a level of guilt or remorse around starting to set boundaries and rules with your office. Um, lately we've had some people that are pretty apprehensive when starting the training program and um, particularly with implementing some e-collar corrections or corrections into their training lifestyle. I think it can be very difficult for an owner to like navigate the weird drama of like the training world and how there's so much push for obviously like just positive reinforcement based training strictly and kind of the moral superiority that community uses a lot to kind of further yeah. its agenda yeah. of like, if you correct your dog, that makes you a bad person mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, they really come at it from that angle. It's to me in that community, it's very human focused. They say yeah. it's dog focused, but I perceive it as very human focused because it's very much about like, feel good. good. Yeah, it's like about you feeling good, ultimately. You know, of course, like, nobody <clears throat> wants to correct your dog. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if I could train dogs using purely positive reinforcement-based methods, like, everyone would do that. Yeah. yeah. Like, even the most recent podcast with, I'll probably reference this a lot, with Ivan Balabanov and Susan Garrett. Um, Ivan Balabanov is, like, a, like, world-renowned dog trainer, very mm -hmm. successful, 40-plus years of dog training. And Susan Garrett is also a very successful reinforcement-based trainer. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of titles, um, championships, and agility more so. Um, and they did a podcast, which is pretty fascinating and interesting to listen to. Um, but a lot of the things that Susan talks about in that is that she feels like balanced training limits the human and the trainer. Um, and it doesn't allow you to grow because you use those tools as like a crutch, mm -hmm. essentially. And if you didn't have those tools, you'd be forced to think outside of the box and figure out like other ways to do things. Mm -hmm. um, which I always just, I, I mean, when I initially heard that, I was like, why can't you have both? Mm -hmm. <laughs> just because I use balanced methods and because I use training tools doesn't mean I'm then incapable of still furthering my yeah. experience and my knowledge on how to use reinforcement in training. Um, and so I think that it is very like human focused, like it limits the human, it makes you feel good, things like that. When in reality, it's like the dog is, is lacking a whole other side of communication of just knowing exactly what you want from them. Yeah. Whether it's, yeah, I use reinforcement to teach you what I do want, but I'm also going to use punishment to teach you what I don't want. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very big piece of the conversation that's getting ignored is that, at, sure, we could maybe accomplish a lot with purely reinforcement-based training, but at what cost along the way? Yeah. How long is too long before we say, okay, like, the time limit is up, this dog needs success somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, I personally think of, like, my um, old dog that I adopted, Maggot, mm -hmm. who, she... <laughs> Her name was Maggot. She was a crusty old lady, okay? I adopted her when she was like, they're like, she's either 10 or 12. I was like, with old dogs, that's a big difference. Yes. But I got her. 
ultimately she only lived with me for about a year and a half before she passed sadly but because i did balance training methods with her she was off leash mm -hmm. for two-thirds of that time that she was with me she was swimming she was hiking with my dogs she was living the best life that that little lady could have ever hoped for and i guarantee you with the prey drive that this jack russell mix had there's no way i could have had her off leash using positive reinforcement only in a year and a half that i had left with her you know so it's like for me the reward like and the, the pros of using balanced training with her highly outweighed the cons. And I think it does for most dogs. Yeah. You know, it's like, how long are we going to like try and like hopefully figure it out before we just say like, this clearly isn't working. Like yeah. <laughs> we need to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean this, I feel like that's kind of one thing that we always talk about is, I, I feel like the, the balance training, it is just a lot faster generally because as, as opposed to just doing positive reinforcement because you do, you're able to get your point across a lot more, right? Yeah. With, with being able to use the tools that we have to, again, like you were saying, tell them what we like to do, but then also tell them what we don't want them to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I find that I get a lot of clients as well that, you know, they, they don't want to hurt their dog and they feel bad for their dog and all this stuff and and I and I get it, right? So Sully's Sully's my baby, you know. I, I I would never want to hurt him. But if it comes to the point of giving a consequence where I'm able to do so appropriately mm -hmm. and and understandably, then obviously I'm gonna do that, right? If that's a matter of him wandering in the street for whatever reason, whatever it may be, you know, then it's something that I like having that that, that whatever tool available, I guess. Um, so I think it's something that it's a hard hump to get over for some people, especially those people that really love their dogs and see them a little bit maybe more than a dog. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, you know, the biggest thing is just trying to practice and understand the reason why we use mm -hmm. it, you know, appropriately. I think for like, a lot of people, it's less about the e-collar and more about the fact that they've just been told that you just shouldn't train your dog this way mm -hmm. and that it's going to destroy your relationship. Yeah. You know, there's going to be all this behavioral fallout and there's going to be all the blah, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like a shame. You mean that, like the personality changes? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my dog will never be the same and it's, they hate me and exactly, all this stuff. Exactly, yeah. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah. It's yeah. impossible to do that. Yeah, it's like... Well, sure, well, if you use it incorrectly, abusive, mm -hmm. you know. like, of course that could happen. Or there's a way with, like, parents and kids where it's, like, parents have to give kids, like, discipline, yeah. right? <clears throat> and if it's done properly and in a way that makes sense and it's fair, that is a vital piece of growing up and being yep. able to become a functional adult in society. Right. Like, if, you're, if your parents make you live in a bubble and they like don't allow you to experience stress or pressure or discipline or consequences when you hit the real world it is alarming yes because like nobody gives a shit about you right. you know what i mean right. like they're not your parents right. they're not blinded with love for you they don't care nobody cares they're not here nobody to teach cares you about you yeah and the same way that like your dog needs to be able to function 
safely in society because that car that's going down the street at 40 miles per hour doesn't care about your dog when mm-hmm. they run into the street. Right. Like it's, there's just Not a whole lot they can do things. sometimes either, you know? But. Exactly. And like for me, like I, I live a lifestyle with my dogs where I want them to be as free as they possibly can. Yeah. I want them to live as the most fulfilled life that they could possibly live. And to me, I can only achieve that with balance training. Yeah. I say that with 100% confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least in because a way that makes me feel comfortable and safe. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guarantee you my dogs would choose that every time. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. If they could talk to me, I have no doubt in my mind that Lumos would be like, Dude, I, I, please correct me for running away if that means that then we can go off-leash hiking. Uh-huh. Like, he would he would pick that over anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine the sheltered life that Lumos would have had to live if I didn't do balance training. It's, right. It take on so much more of a management aspect where Zach George, who's a huge positive-only force-free trainer, said, where balance trainers correct, I manage, or yeah. I would not want to live a life limiting my dog because of how I felt in regards to giving one or two corrections yeah. with a proper e-collar introduction and training program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how exhausting. Yes. How exhausting. That's what I mean. That's just the time span of having to do that. Like, yeah. you don't have the time for that. Your dog doesn't have the time for that. Yeah. Right? It's like... Like, how exhausting. Like, I remember in, in the Ivan and Susan podcast, Susan was going through this whole convoluted thing about how, like, and I don't dislike Susan Garrett. I think that she's clearly a very knowledgeable, successful, mm-hmm. reinforcement-based trainer. And I do listen to her podcast, and I've taken some of her like techniques that she does into my own toolbox that I use with dogs. Um, but something she was talking about was how you know she has a dog that was obsessed with water and, and things like that. And essentially mm-hmm. was saying, like, if the dog got in the water, she knew it would be... Impossible to recall the dog out. So Sunday morning before church, she's in the pond in her church clothes, pulling this dog out of the water, and fully admitting that I used forceful methods because I had to get the dog out of the water. So what is the difference between shit hitting the fan and you're forced to use force with your dog because you have no other option because you didn't manage correctly because it's impossible to manage correctly 100% of the it, time. Yeah. Human error <laughs> yes. is, is going to come up. And dogs are living, breathing beings mm-hmm. with minds of their own. And so they're not fully predictable all the time. So she is like, yes, and I had to use force in that situation. And then moving forward, I had to go back down these layers. And then I had to change this reinforcement schedule. And I had to do this. And literally, Ivan was like, that just sounds so taxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how exhausting. Like, behavior to dogs is, like, like Susan says, is information. It's not bad and it's not good. They're not performing behaviors thinking like, oh, I'm going to be good or I'm going to jump into the lake because I'm going, I want to be bad. Yeah. They don't, yeah. Just, yeah. they don't think like that. And if I have the opportunity to pinpoint the behaviors I don't want to see for my dog and teach them that that's a behavior that's undesirable, have a consequence attached to that, mm-hmm. I can really reward the good behaviors and have like a dog go and be able to go swimming or go into the pond with oh, yeah. that solid recall. So we're living the best of both worlds mm-hmm. at that point. Again, well, giving she, them the freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Because she even admitted, we were talking about this, Bridget, that she blatantly admits, she's like, if I was an e-collar trainer, 
one of my dogs would have been off leash on my property years mm -hmm. before this dog was able to be. Like to me, I'm just not willing to sacrifice that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, I'm just not willing to. Um, she also admitted in the podcast, which I thought was fascinating, that if a dog is trained well with balance training or with positive reinforcement training, yeah. she said you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. Then what's the point? Yeah. Right. Truly, what's the point? She said, because I think Ivan asked her, he's like, would you be able to look at a dog and pinpoint how they were trained? Mm -hmm. And she said, if they were trained well using balanced methods, I don't think I would be able to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. Well, then there's your proof. <clears throat> and I think it the, doesn't destroy dogs. <laughs> I think the thing about the balance training too is, you know, the, the e-collar does have such a bad rep about it or whatever, but, um, but you know, we, we're using positive reinforcement as much as possible. So exactly. it's like, so it's, it's like you were saying, like they're, they're, there obviously is a difference in the sense that we're using the e-collar, right? And we're using the tools and they're using like the reinforcement, but it's something where we're still trying to use as much as we can, but yeah. we're speeding up the process so much more by, by just being like, instead of trying to lure them over with all this positive reinforcement, it's just, hey, stop doing that. Just now come feedback. over here and do the good thing, it is right? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Just it's, clear it's, feedback. Right. Yeah, wouldn't you want somebody like, to give you feedback and let you know you're doing something wrong than mm -hmm. to continue to allow you to do the wrong thing and then get furious with you or have passive aggressive moments mm -hmm. with you. Right. Builds yeah. a lot of resentment in your dog if And a lot of frustration. Yeah. You know, for the for the owners. So yeah. it's something that I think I think just and and, you know, I I've had a lot of clients and, you know, uh, even close friends and relatives that are are have you know fears of, of giving corrections and doing all this stuff with their dogs punishing them giving consequences but you know obviously there's there's a line right there's an appropriate way to use the e-collar and there's an inappropriate way so if you use it, it appropriate like you're saying then it's something where you know it it might be you know, you might feel guilty or, or worried maybe that, that your dog's going to hate you or resent you or whatever, be scared of you, but it's just simply not true. Like, it is, it's something where it's just the biggest, appropriate. The biggest it. fallout that can happen from an e-collar is just confusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're not, if you don't know what you're And if doing. you don't use it appropriately. Yeah. Right. yeah, which honestly, there's an equal amount of confusion using reinforcement-based methods yeah. and negative punishment a lot of the time. If not more. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a different yeah. version of it. Mm -hmm. So I think on either side, if you're not being clear and concise in how you're training and setting your dog up for success, of course there's going to be confusion, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like with, I think I sent you, or I had you watch this video I stumbled on the other day, and there was a girl talking about how she stopped using balanced training mm -hmm. with her dog and instead went to reinforcement-based methods and her reasoning was because she was like, she pulled out this like spectrum on a whiteboard and she said that like, as the dog's threshold went down, the dog stopped responding to like food and then it was like, wouldn't respond to like enforcement cues, like reinforcement cues, like the yes cue or something mm -hmm. for food. And, and then it would eventually get to where the dog would respond to commands because the dog knew if they didn't listen to a command, there would be a punishment for it. And she said, and so I ended up 
living in this space with my dog where I was doing a lot of commands and corrections because I was she was constantly being forced like over her threshold essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think I commented and I was like, this isn't about balanced training, it's about just bad training. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that has nothing. Yeah, that has nothing to do with. That's just if that is happening, then you're not reading your dog well, yeah. and you're not setting them up for success. Just if you're constantly confusion. pushing them over threshold, like, yeah. and there's no clear communication, like, what were your punishments? Because if your dog was constantly over threshold and you were constantly correcting, either your punishments meant nothing to the dog, mm -hmm. so you're just nagging the dog at that point. Like, what was going on? You know, it was just, like, very weird to me. Um, and so then we got into this whole dialogue about it. And she's like, um, you know, so basically, like, what's the... If you're saying that you shouldn't force the dog over a threshold with balance training, what's the difference then between reinforcement-based and balance training? And I said, ultimately, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of a difference between reinforcement-based and good balance training. The only difference is that when it really comes down to it, I'm willing to set a clear boundary with my dog, mm -hmm. right? If, if I can, if so I can train, exactly, yeah. like if I have, a, I'm not going to purposefully continually put a dog in situations where they're going to fail over and over and over again. And then be like, Something is going tool, wrong. It's the e-collar that caused my dog to fail. Like, exactly. You know, your information just Well, and this, this isn't to be confused, which, because I can see people saying I'm hypocritical because of the last podcast we talked about how I said I, I want my dogs to make a bad choice off leash yeah. so that I can correct them. This isn't the same thing that I'm talking about because if, if the, in that situation, that context, my dogs are fully trained, they know exactly what to do, they're making an active choice to do something wrong. We're not teaching. And that, exactly. And that correction is just setting a clear boundary for them and then they never make the mistake again. When I'm talking, what I'm talking about in this context is in a learning capacity. Mm -hmm. I always tell all of my clients, 85% of your sessions should be successful. If you're having to do a lot of corrections when you're just working on basic obedience or things like that, like, then something is going wrong. You're either mm -hmm. in an environment that your dog is not ready to be in. You're either holding them to a standard of proficiency that they're not at yet. You know, there's, we need to evaluate something. Mm -hmm. Because when the dog is learning, there really shouldn't be a lot of failures. Mm -hmm. For me, the, those, those bigger corrections or corrections in general are reserved a lot of times for the very end proofing stages mm -hmm. where we just need to make it clear, concise, that is a choice that is off limits. And then they're like, oh, okay. Because they've had all the knowledge built up back here to fall back on them and know exactly mm -hmm. what to do and how to recover from it. So another thing that I find um, a lot of owners struggle with, at least in the boarding trains, I'm curious to see how like you guys handle uh, working through it, but with going up on our levels with sure. the, with corrections, you know. So I, you know, in in the send homes, um, when we are giving those consequences and stuff, obviously after the boarding train, they're seeing their owners, they're getting all hyped up and everything. So we're um, as we start working through commands, they're they're more interested in their parents. They just want sure. to keep saying hi and all this stuff. Um, and I think it's hard for the owners sometimes to have to work up to higher levels um, where it's where we're 
were able to have that motivating level, right? Sure. They, they like to go lower because they feel bad, but I'm curious to see how you guys work through it because for me, it's, it's a point of we're not, one, we're not addressing the issue, two, we're probably correcting a lot more than we'd probably have to if we just go up a little bit more, mm -hmm. even 10 or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, so it's something that I think once I can get that point across, because at that point it's no longer, they're scared to do it, they're just scared to go up, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so yeah. I'm curious to kind of see how you guys deal with it in the, in the one-on-ones. Is there a lot, do you see that a lot or? Is Honestly, I don't see that a ton yeah. because the owners are there the whole time. Yeah. I think it's harder when you're doing a scent home because the dog's like, I haven't seen you in 10 years. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to lose my mind. Right. You know, so I think it is more difficult to work through because, yeah, the dog's brain is very much preoccupied on just being with the owner. Yeah. And also, the owner is just happy to see their dog. So yeah. half the time, I always felt like when I was doing scent homes, it was just like just in and out, you know, mm -hmm. all the information I was giving them is just hard for them to grasp. Um, so I honestly, I feel like in those situations, like, yeah, you want to, to get the owners like on board with doing what they need to do. But I also do think that sometimes, obviously that first week the dog is home, we're not having them do anything crazy, like yeah. off leash or anything like that. So there is a lot more room to like wait on like the big distractions. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes easing people into that, mm -hmm. it, it, you can wait a couple sessions, you know, yeah. like some follow-ups of like, okay, you know, the dog's brain is a little bit more yeah. <laughs> cognizant at this point. Yeah. You're feeling a little bit more comfortable with getting your feet wet with the training. Mm -hmm. Now let's kind of like take it up to the next level of like really yeah. fine-tuning everything and yeah. setting real clear boundaries. Keeping it simple, like I just shared a post the other day by Sean O'Shea that said, like, by the time your dog has graduated from a board and train program, they know more than the owner. Yeah. They're schooled in it. They've done put in the work. They know exactly what we're asking them. It's then shifting on the owner to enforce and hold their dog accountable. And it takes some time for you to learn that. It takes some time mm -hmm. for you to manage your dog in your house, have them come back in and they're going to start performing all those bad behaviors that they did before they came mm -hmm. to the board and train. Mm -hmm. And it's our job to instruct owners like piece by piece, how do you address these things? Um, so when I was doing scent homes, I tried not to expect too much from the owner in the first week. We keep it really simple, send them home with some homework, hey, work on your best days, get really comfortable with that. Let's not pick the dog up from the board and train and then go to Edgewater on mm. a busy day and expect us to have the level of proficiency to manage the dog correctly in that yep. situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we, I mean, we talked about it a little last time, like, uh, you know, most of the success of that pairing is the owner being mm -hmm. comfortable and knowing what to do, you know? Because, yep. I mean, I could give my fully trained dogs to somebody who doesn't know anything about dog yes. training and my dogs are going to be like, <laughs> yeah, they're going to be like, wait, I got away with that. <laughs> Exactly. And mom never lets me get away. With exactly. That. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, and and that's where I think it is. Boarding trains just inevitably have a little bit of a harder time initially, mm -hmm. because the owner just is at such a deficiency knowledge wise yeah. compared to the dog that it's like hard to catch them up as much as you would like them to be caught up to in mm -hmm. that initial meeting. Whereas like one on ones like. You can really piece by piece, yeah. like 
ease them into everything and give them all of the different steps and stuff. And they have a week to work on the homework in between the sessions and we have 10 hours together. So we have 10 weeks of mm -hmm. giving them the next step. So we see it a little bit less or when I was doing board and trainings compared to now, I was seeing a little less confusion or resistance from the owners to go up because mm -hmm. we've kind of already had the foundation laid and we're really dipping our toes in kind of slowly, yeah. um, getting them comfortable with the usage of the collar and then helping them uh, tackle some more of the bigger tickets. Well, because a lot, of, a lot of the owners being willing to listen to you mm -hmm. is they have to trust you. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they have to feel like you truly do have like the, the best for their dog. Yeah, the best interest. You know, the best interest for that yeah. dog. And I mean, it's just so hard to build that within like a three hour period when they yeah. pick the dog up, you know? Yep. Um, because like by the time I'm getting to a point where we're, we're even doing e-collar corrections, I'm almost like three, four lessons into the mm -hmm. program. And so like they've spent a lot of time with me, you know, yep. they see my dogs, they see how mm -hmm. I interact with their dog. They see, you know, like all the troubleshooting we've done. We've Email oh, dog has me. built a relationship with you. Exactly. Right. So it's mm -hmm. like when I tell them like what I would like them to do and I, you know, give them homework that includes correcting the dog for certain things, like I, it's easier for them to trust me because there's already that rapport and that mm -hmm. relationship there. You have to like, people that go to the board and train program and picking up, you have to let yourself, allow yourself some time to readjust with your dog too. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself the time to learn yourself, um, give the dog some time to learn and work together. Because yeah. working together is relationship-based and if we've only had a relationship where the dog's pulling us down the street, pushing us, jumping on us, and it's constantly like a take-take-take relationship, we have to work on balancing that relationship out, which can be really difficult for owners. So mm -hmm. while the dog is doing the board and train here and they're fully trained, the owner has to put in the work at home. Mm -hmm. So never expect you yourself to pick up a dog from a board and train and it to be perfect for the rest of its life. It's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Dogs aren't robots and we can't program them into stopping a behavior. Yeah, yeah, there's not a reset button. It's a <laughs> yeah. living, breathing animal and you can't make guarantees on dog training unless the owner is really proficient. Yeah. To me, like, and this analogy makes sense to me, I don't know how much it makes sense to other people, but like for me a board and train is very much the same uh, parallel as like you hire, say you work at a company and your company is going to start using a new program or system in, in their computers or whatever and you hire reps to come out and teach you how to run that system. <laughs> You're not writing the code, you're mm -hmm. not building the system, that was done by them, right? Yeah. They did all of that. But you have to know how to run it. Yeah. Right? Like when we started using <laughs> Ginger here, like Ginger was already a preset thing, right? And then when we started using it, we had to watch videos and take little classes and like figure out how everything works or else it was of no use to us, mm -hmm. you know, because we didn't know how to use it properly. So that's very much how a board and train is. It's like you... Yes, you skipped having to learn how to write computer code <laughs> mm -hmm. and how to build all of that, but you still have to be skilled and taught how to like use it yeah. and actually mm -hmm. implement it. Otherwise, again, it's just going to be useless for you. It's mm -hmm. not going to make any difference. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing with uh, 
having to kind of str struggle with the e-collar um, <clears throat> or just, or not even e-collar, but just enforcing, you know, the, these consequences is, is the fact that, you know, the dog can get confused by it. And, and kind of what you were saying, it's just a matter of making them not confused, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to be a little bit more clear with how you're doing it. And I think that also comes with what I feel like I've said every podcast is ask questions, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If your dog seems to be confused or you, like you were saying earlier, seems to, you seem to be correcting more than you would like or you think you need to, mm -hmm. ask why or, or, you know, just try to do your homework and figure out what you need to do. The, the point of this balance training is so that we can have the dog understand exactly what we want and in what ways that we use it, but make it efficiently and effective as possible, right? Mm -hmm. And just being able to do that by asking the questions and by trying to help your dog understand what you want them to do is really what the purpose is, you know? Finding a trainer that's willing to keep working with you and growing your dog rather right. than you pay for the board and train and then you're out and you're at home and you have so many questions and you have nobody to talk to. Yeah. Um, you have mm -hmm. to find a trainer that has really good reviews and that's able to help support and continue to grow your dog yeah. um, in the yeah. ways that you need your dog to grow. Yeah. You should never, your trainer should never make you feel bad. Or stupid or... Yeah. If yeah. you're just like asking questions and trying to understand and clarifying things and stuff like that. Um, yeah. There should never be a point where you feel like embarrassed to talk to your trainer, mm -hmm. at least on their end. I'm sure there are some clients that show up and they're like, oh, no, we didn't do anything this week. And they're embarrassed because of that. But, like, yes. I would never want someone to feel <clears throat> embarrassed because of, like, something I did. You yeah. know, right. you're not judge you. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't own our shame around yeah. here. Um, I always think of it as, like, if, if I'm struggling with an owner, like, I'm always looking internally, like, what, am, what can I possibly change? How else can I phrase this? How else mm -hmm. can I show them? How else can, like, what do I need to do when I'm talking to you guys, like, mm -hmm. telling you about the situation, like, trying to brainstorm ideas? Because, yep. um, yes, uh, in a, like, unfortunately, inevitably, there are always going to be, like, the bad eggs where sometimes it's just a bad client, yep. <laughs> no matter what you do. Um, but if you feel like you're consistently getting bad clients, maybe you need to <laughs> yeah. reflect <laughs> inwardly. You blame somebody else like be like oh they don't do anything or or they're not put, putting their work in be like I have this person for an hour mm -hmm. what can we do within the hour to show them that their dog is capable of listening yes and their dog is completely capable of learning mm -hmm. and how can we transcribe that to you getting the same results at home Mm -hmm. And if someone isn't comfortable doing the homework, that's on you. Mm -hmm. What if what have you not explained? What have you um, like? What is it that they're like? It, it, it all comes back on the trainer yep. a lot of the times. Yeah, that's like, why they're here. Exactly, <laughs> they're they, here for our help. Most people don't sign up and pay a pretty hefty amount for dog training to just sit there and not want to do it. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know, most people. Yeah. So especially. Um, in like one-on-one -on -one sessions and stuff like most of the time they're they want to do it but if they're not doing it then they must not see value in it which means I didn't create the value in mm -hmm. doing the homework mm -hmm. in some way so or maybe we made it too difficult for that person and just like 
Mm-hmm. There's things are going to be different from dog to dog sometimes. Yeah. Things are going to be different from people, different people. We get people from all walks of life right. dealing mm-hmm. with all kinds of situations and they have their own journey. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, how can I break through to this person? How can I help them? What can I do to shift, make it easier if I need to, or mm-hmm. have the person get comfortable with remaining more consistent in their training? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such an important piece in opening up like the balance training world to people is um, allowing people to see the compassionate side of it mm-hmm. like yeah. for me like when I when we have a dog that comes in that is dangerous like very dangerous to be around mm-hmm. and we get quite a number of those yeah. <laughs> here yeah. They seem to be uh, more prevalent these days. I don't know what's going on <laughs> out there, guys. But, um, like, to me, the compassionate thing is telling that dog to knock it off. Yeah. yeah. Knock him down, pack. Because, it's, like, uh, you, do you want to stay alive? Yeah. Because, right. like, this is, this is at this point, like, a life or death situation. Unfortunately, yeah. we don't have the time, as, like, Susan Garrett was saying, like, it felt like a lot of blaming on her part. Like, oh, you didn't reinforce this right. And yeah. unfortunately, with dogs of caliber of aggression that have the ability to hurt somebody, we don't have the luxury of time mm-hmm. to mess around and give it treats and have it be open. No. And when dogs are in that state of mind, they don't want anything to do with your hot dogs, your chicken, your cut-up yeah. steak. Yeah. Like, and I think it de- like I think sometimes people. And again, I think this is just an assumption on my part, but mm-hmm. I in like the reinforcement-based community games are very prevalent um and games in dog training is is great it's very Mm -hmm. important but i think what people miss is that like some dogs aren't playing games yeah (laughs) like they're just not playing games Mm -hmm. like to them like to the the mindset that certain dogs get into is not oh i'm doing this because it's fun Mm -mm. They're doing it because they have an intention behind it. And that intention sometimes is to cause harm. Mm -hmm. So trying to come at that was like, oh, how can I make this a game to try to like change this behavior? Like it's just incompatible. It's just not going to work. Not like we had a, Michelle and I had a collaborative client recently and that dog had some pretty gnarly issues. Yes. And it would be extremely difficult to really put that off when this person had been living within the means of their home for the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we're working on helping this person be able to get out into the world again and we can't do that through purely positive reinforcement. It's just not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. And the amount of time that it would take to maybe make it happen in that time frame what, Look at all like, the management that has to go into that. Exactly. And the risk associated with that. Exactly. The risk is so high, like, to try to manage a dog to that capacity. Like, some of, like, these dogs that we get in, like, I'm thinking of, like, um, Oakley. Like, this dog Oakley. is huge. Yeah. Huge. No one could hold that dog back if mm-hmm. he wanted to do something. No. This dog is massive. Pure muscle. Truly. <laughs> Yes. And the the situations he's had with his bite record are terrifying. Like he's mm-hmm. like, you know, and so with with something like that and and the owner's situation and what they're in, like 
you, there's no way you could ever convince me that using non-aversive methods and not using any type of like training tools, even like leash training, like you're going to put a harness on that dog. And I just like, I couldn't even fathom, like, yeah. where would you even start to begin with a dog like that? And, and that's what I always come back to is like, oh yeah, they just don't. They euthanize or suggest the yeah. medication. Asia, medication, numb the dog out. Mm. And in Oakley's setting, like, this dog was way more than they could handle at mm -hmm. first when he first came in. He's come a long way. He has come a long way and he's able to be handled. And what always drove me to help them is the love that they have for that dog. They cherish him. <laughs> they adore him. They love him <laughs> despite all his flaws and it's so beautiful to be able to give them the resources to help better manage him. Yeah. And have a dog that they can enjoy ten times more. Mm -hmm. Well, I just had that Dutch Shepherd that I just finished up recently with, Anna. She had two separate people, dog professionals, tell her to put that dog down. There is literally no reason that dog needed to be put down. Mm -hmm. None at all. Um, and she was just like amazed i mean it's been years that that dog was stuck in their house crated when people came over um it would she would redirect on them when she mm -hmm. would get aggressive she would try to attack chainsaws lawn mowers like this is That's like a good idea yeah like she is like the real deal right yeah. and then like with um uh, people like the whole first lesson she was launching herself at me crazy out of control and, um, of course, it was funny because towards the end of the sessions, the owner of she goes, now we know why you weren't phased. Because you knew that this was, mm -hmm. this was, you know, she's like, you knew that this was something that could easily be dealt with. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's just so sad to me and, and like, just devastating that <laughs> somebody would pick to euthanize a dog or heavily medicate them before mm -hmm. just trying proper training methods with them, mm -hmm. you know, and just setting boundaries. Try to communicate what you actually want them to stop doing. Yeah, and now, that like, first and then. yeah, like, me and Anna, like, Anna's, like, totally comfortable with me now. Yeah. She let me pick her up <laughs> off of the, the bridge because she got stuck in the middle. <laughs> she let me pick her up. She's excited to see me. She's like, I literally would have never thought that this dog could have bonded with anybody else. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's just... It's just so heartbreaking that, I mean, we get so many people like that, yeah. that they're like, they're, this is what I've been told to do with this dog. And it's so sad that other, before you would choose balanced training methods, you would choose something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, behavior euthanasia, there is a time and place for it and sure. situationally, sure. but I really like when owners explore other options. Yeah. And Look so, into it as yeah, an option yeah. at least. Like yeah. if, if you're already thinking about euthanizing your dog, why, if you love your dog that much, why would you not at least put it into consideration? Mm -hmm. exactly. Do your research, right? Like yeah. ask questions, like I always say. But again, know, it's shame is a heavy, heavy thing for people. Yeah. And it's like yeah. the amount of shame that people get from others for using training tools with their dogs is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. it is crazy to me. I've, there's been multiple times I've been out in public with my dogs. Oh my gosh, your dogs are so well behaved. They're having such a good time. And then they see the e-collar and they go, oh. It's like, okay, so what? Are they not well behaved anymore? Right. 
Like, you would have never known they were trained with an e-collar yeah. until you saw it. And now, all of a sudden, your whole perception has changed. And that's another, yeah. that's, uh, that, you're right, that is probably the biggest thing, is I feel like, especially if you get a more vocal dog, too, mm-hmm. people are always so scared to reinforce. Yeah. And it's, and, but, but, if you are there to help them, or if you give them that confidence to do it, and then they finally see the benefits. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my gosh, why, why have I just mm-hmm. been hesitating yeah. for so long? Like, yeah. why do I care so much about what other people think when I'm just trying to better my dog? And that's the one important thing I think a lot of people need to remember is just remember you're doing this for your dog. You're not doing this for the people mm-hmm. that are going to give you side eyes and give take, you shit and all this yeah, stuff. Take your emotions yeah. out of it because yeah. it's not about you. Just it's remember about it's, your dog. Yeah, remember you're, you're, you're there, you're benefiting your dog. And it's and that's really the purpose of why you're doing this. Yeah. You know? Do the hard things for your dog. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in the training process, you're gonna have times where it's really hard, and yeah. you have to get over that hump so you can have a really balanced life with your dog. And yep. Tools are a wonderful part of training, and you're nervous about it. You should go to a trainer that can fully answer any of the questions you have, and you should have questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think we can end it with um, Ivan's Ivan's analogy where he's like, if something better and more efficient comes out, you don't have to ban the old thing for people to do it. We didn't have to ban flip phones when we got smartphones. Mm -hmm. Everybody just said, oh, that's better, (laughs) so I'm going to do that, Uh right? Like, you shouldn't, if if your methods of using no tools and reinforcement-based only and non-aversive are that much superior in results and efficiency, then we wouldn't have to ban e collars and choke like yeah. and choke chains or prong collars because it would just work better. So we wouldn't need those anymore. Right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. So anywho. <laughs> don't let other people make yeah. you feel guilty about what you do with your dog. And ask the questions you want answers to. Mm-hmm. Yep. And balance training is compassionate. Yes. It is. It's a very compassionate way to train. Mm-hmm. I think that people taking that step to recognize their dog needs help, more help than they've been getting, and being willing to do the hard things and set aside their own emotions and their own feelings and prioritize one. their dog is very, very um, respectable. Mm-hmm. And I think that that shouldn't go unaccomplished. to your dog is to tell them no. you got to tell them no. you got to set those boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's love. Yeah. Honestly, um, that's that's the full spectrum of love. Mm-hmm. Reinforcing the things that you like and being clear and direct about the things that you don't like. Yep. Uh, communication is very important. Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out today, guys. Yeah. We'll see Hope this time. helps someone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Keep we'll your see head. you next time. Hang in there. Yeah. You know? You're yeah. doing the right thing. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>